Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Two men who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. And welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazin, and I'm the editor and founder of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Dan, did you get thrown off a cliff with that, or what, what happened there? I had a little moment of just pure euphoria. Like, did someone forget it? Uh, well, I'm Mark Giannacchio, and I'm the editor and founder of the Chasing Amazing blog, and now I am currently a review. Not reviewer and feature writer extraordinaire and editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. People have to know our titles, Mark, lest they get confused. I know. Well, of course, thank you for joining us for a special episode of Amazing Spider Talk. Although maybe they're not as special because we do these every other show now. Uh, but very we hope special. You, they are very special, yes. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for this episode, we'll be discussing our potential essential Spider-Man comic of the week. This week, we'll be discussing my pick, Amazing Spider-Man number 267, also known as The Commuter Cometh by Peter David and Bob McLeod, and going through our Flash Thompson's Flash reviews. Dan, is Flash going to be here today? Only you are going to know that, Mark, because he stays in your house. This is true. Well, I, I haven't seen him yet, but fingers crossed, and, uh, you know, get your, get your bottle openers ready. When he becomes a West Coast Avenger, then maybe he can come join me out here. <laughs> <laughs> As always, if you hear this sound... Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. But enough about that. Let's hop on the nearest Metro North train headed out of town and discuss The Commuter Cometh. I'm rocking the suburbs. It's just like Michael Jackson did. So, Mark, why is 267 The Commuter Cometh an essential comic in your opinion? Well, Dan, you know, this might be also one of those cases where my my selection was colored a bit by how much I just personally enjoy this comic. But I I do think in terms of essentialness, it has a lot of value. Um, You know, for one, I I, kind of like – that we picked this one to talk about this week just because we were coming off that recent news of kind of an out of element Spider-Man, you know, and, and I mean, this comic is, is probably the pinnacle of what Spider-Man is like outside the comforts of New York city, you know, and outside of his element. But beyond that, um, Spider-Man is, 
has always, even even in the earliest days, has been an inherently funny character. You know, in those Ditko issues, he's, you know, his suits, you know, he gets a fake suit and it's riding up on him. And, and you know, he, he beats the Sandman using a vacuum cleaner. I mean, it's kind of weird and strange. And um, to me, this might be the most smartly funny Spider-Man comic ever. And it's, it's Peter David who, um, you know, was kind of known as the funny writer in the comic book industry when he wrote this. And it's, it's Peter David just firing on all cylinders. I mean, this is, this is what funny Spider-Man should be. Which and is you funny, want- pardon the pun, because his run on Spectacular Spider-Man was notoriously not funny and, like, really dark. Right. So there you go. Uh, you know, from Gene DeWolf to this. I mean, very, very weird. But yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, if, if you want someone to get a sense about the, you know, the character's humor, I feel that this book is encapsulates that. And, and Dan, kind of to that point, And lastly, I mean, I find this comic to be inherently readable. And by that, I mean, you know, there are there are a lot of standalone issues and, and, and kind of, you know, one and dones and and, you know, if someone came up to me casually looking to get into Spider-Man, yeah, you want them to read Amazing Fantasy 15. You want them to read the Master Planner trilogy, uh, Death of Gwen Stacy, you know, a lot, a lot of the comics that we're not even discussing because they're kind of the gimmies of, 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 of the essential reads. But um, I would want to give them one of these comics because I feel that I would want to give them Commuter Comics because I feel like. You don't even need to really be steeped in in continuity, Spider-Man continuity, to get what's going on here. I mean, this is just a uh, an out of element story filled with humor. You get a sense of the quirks of the character and 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 you know the some of the essential elements of what makes Spider-Man so unique. You know, there aren't a lot of comics out there that are this accessible that do that. That's why I think it's essential. Dan, since I've said my piece, what, what do you think about this comic? Mark, I love this comic, and I'm so glad you chose it, just to at least to even give me an opportunity to read it again. But I, I think you're onto something here about this being essential more than you might realize. Uh, you know, it's very funny, yes, and I think humor is is a key part of uh, what makes Spider-Man work as a, as a character. And I think various people have used it in different ways that you know may or may not be successful or may or may not do it the right way. But um, what I think makes this book essential uh, beyond the humor is that the humor comes on uh, the behalf of like the Parker luck, you know, being so bad. What makes this book so funny is that every other panel, Peter, something awful, maybe not awful, but bad is happening to Peter where he's just having terrible luck. And that's what makes the Spider-Man 2 movie so great, and, uh, and I think that's what makes this book so great. And I think that's a key part of the character. It's not that Peter is not a loser, and it's not that he's not smart. He certainly is smart in this situation. He's just so out of place outside of New York that the humor and the Parker luck comes in, uh, in full here. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, like, there, there are... A lot of writers who I feel try to be funny with Spider-Man, but sometimes it's it's you know the the jokes that are maybe just not true to the character, if that makes sense. And and and, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of absurd stuff in this in this book, absurd visually uh, and absurd just in terms of the joke. But 
um, because it's all stays true to this idea of the Parker luck. Like you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, this is an exercise in, like you said, like how many different things can I have go wrong for this character? And, and, and because of that, it rings very true. And, and you know, that, this makes sense, right? I'm not just like talking, you know, out of my rear here, right? No, no, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, do, we're describing how funny we think this book is. Do we want to tell people who probably haven't read it? I mean, you should go read it if you have the opportunity to um, seek it out. Uh, that's Amazing Spider-Man 267. But um, do you want to tell them what happens in this book, what the idea of this book is? Yeah, and give them a sense of why it's so crazy. So, I mean, to try and describe this quickly, um, Spider-Man witnesses uh, a a robbery going down. He goes to apprehend the criminal. Uh, The criminal is this very two-bit guy. He's a schleppy guy named Ron. Uh, So apologies to anyone named Ron out there. But... uh, so it turns out that Ron is is not really much of a crook. He he has a, a fake gun and he grabs a mannequin to use as a hostage to try and fend off Spider Man, and and, con- and convinces Spider Man that it's a real hostage somehow. And, well, that's it. I mean, Spider Man being who he is, I mean, this is the first of many things to go wrong for him. Um, Spider Man does manage to land a spider tracer on him, uh, but of course, as he goes to follow him into the subway system, he gets busted by a cop for turnstile jumping. Uh, so <laughs> I love so, that these two cops could strong arm Spider Man. Well, of course, you know, because uh, everything goes wrong. Um, and and what what basically sets up the actual drama of this story is so Spider Man decides to use this tracer to track down Ron up in Scarsdale, New York, which is probably about 40, 45 minutes outside of New York City on Metro North train. And Spider-Man lands in suburbia and, you know, he, 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 he's viewed as an outsider. You know, people ask if he's in his pajamas. He, he tries to swing, but he can't swing on anything. Uh, you know, he gets into a crazy car chase with someone who doesn't speak English. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and that is what makes this comic so just just extraordinary in terms of how it just keeps topping itself in terms of humor. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, do we? I, I've said this before, uh, but there there are two things that I think are terrible. And 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 the first thing when it comes to like discussing things in front of a group of people, which is essentially what we're doing. And I always think back to this Far Side comic. Where um, and here I am doing this in my explanation of this, where a man is describing a Sunday comic to a group of people, and I think that that is the literally the worst thing: explaining humor via a visual medium like a comic to a group of people through words. Which sometimes I wonder if we're doing that on this show every week. Uh, <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about the jokes in this book, which means we're going to be explaining jokes to people, which I also think ruins every joke imaginable. But I don't know how we're going to discuss this book without doing either of those things. Yeah, well, hopefully you can put those some of these images into the, the podcast player because, I mean, this is certainly an episode that could use that. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we'll be describing them and you can see them on your, on your iPhone or iPad. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the only podcast you can find that does this. So uh. there you go. <laughs> But but it's so filled with so many memorable panels and and you know something there is something to be said too about Bob McLeod here. I mean yeah, Peter David's writing the jokes, but McLeod's visual style is just phenomenal. I mean like it, this is so many 
memorable little snippets and scenes. There's no big splashy pages anywhere, but like it really tells a story and the jokes are really propelled by McLeod's artwork. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he presents it so plainly, you know, like this suburbia is you know, it's boring and flat and the you know, Spider-Man just looks like any other dude. There's not like dynamic panels of him swinging around or like being heroic. He just looks like any other schlub that's wandering around this neighborhood, except he happens to be in his red and blue pajamas. Yeah, I mean, you know, he in fact, you know, the, the one panel where he does try and this might be my favorite, he, he does try to you know, put propel a, a web forward to swing. It just kind of goes into thin air because there's nothing to, for it to adhere to. I mean, it's just like, it's like that great moment of him just being so instinctive and firing it off. And then it's like, oh, wait, it, it's it's so great. And what about the car chase? Shannon? I know this is one of your favorites, oh, right? Yeah. My, my favorite moment is the moment that follows that where he's like, he can't chase after this guy. Cause obviously he can't attach his web to anything. And, uh, out of, uh, he's like, man, what I wouldn't do for a cab right now and then a cab shows up. So after all of this crap that he's gone through, this cab shows up. And he's like, oh, great. Finally, things are going my way. A cab. And he opens the door. And the guy driving the cab only speaks Spanish and can't understand it. And I love the reversal there where, you know, you think, oh, finally. And then, nope, this is just another bad thing for him. So uh, that's great. And we get a car chase in this comic. Who would have thought, you know? A car chase in a Spider-Man comic, not something – I mean, unless he's on top of the car, not something we usually see. You know? <laughs> well, we um, all know that Peter doesn't have a driver's license. Yeah. I mean, and there's there's some humor here, yes, from from, this, from his Spider-Mobile days. But there is some humor here too that's not even that outlandish but is equally great. Like, uh, like what about the scene where you kind of get these side-by-sides with, with, with Peter and Ron? Yeah, I mean, I, I I always love good visual humor, uh, and, and this is great because you've got like on the left hand side of the page Peter looking kind of miserable in his everyday New Yorkness. Um, I mean, at least <laughs> that's how I feel about it. I, I don't know about you, Mark. There is oh, some great. kind of yeah. misery inherent in living in New York. Yeah, you're in a tidy apartment and with a lot of people, and you know, it's yeah, it's inherently miserable, and yet Ron. The criminal, you know, we look him, he's with his wife, he's probably having sex with her, he's having this comfortable sleep in, he's in this big bed. I mean, you're just kind of like, you know, it's the lap of luxury, literally. Yeah, I wonder, I gotta wonder what uh, Peter David's attitude towards the suburbs are here, you know, if, if this is how he's painting them. Um, you know, there's there's some kind of like weird commentary here because like I feel like almost any city person that like leaves the city and goes out to like the suburbs of rural rural areas is going to look kind of crazy uh in, in a manner that Spider-Man does like you're like oh I need to get somewhere right now where where's the cabs oh I, I you mean I have to drive uh <laughs> you know, it, there's kind of a you know beyond just being Spider-Man in the suburbs there's a nice culture clash being displayed here uh, yeah, I mean, not not to um, totally get personal with 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 this, but you know, you talking about that kind of reminds me. I, so I grew up on Long Island, so that's like kind of it's the suburbs of New York in the opposite direction. And, um, I, and when I was in college, a friend of mine who who had spent his whole life in Washington D.C. Um, visited me, and he he was um, he was actually DJing a show. Uh, over on Long Island. So 
Um, and I was hanging out and I, it got, it got too late. I went home. Um, and he was like, Oh, it's, it's cool. I'll just catch He didn't drive. He's like, I'll just catch a cab back. And like, he didn't even get home that night until like five or six in the morning. I'm like, you know, what are you doing, man? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, I kept trying to flag a cab and no one would stop. And I'm like, well, you can't flag a cab on Long Island. You you got to call somebody. You got to, you know, like you, you don't you don't hail cabs. And what? <laughs> um, is so it, that's kind of back before cell phones. Yes, this was this was back before cell phones. I'm dating myself a little bit here. That's uh, hysterical. That's hysterical. Um, so yeah, so I I I can get the bean out of your element here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dan, every joke lands in this. I mean, there's even a great sequence in the beginning with with Spider-Man and Human Torch, which is both kind of it's it's kind of sweet but also funny. Yeah, I mean, their relationship is always funny, but this I think this might be like the best portrayed that I've seen in an amazing Spider-Man comic proper, right? I mean, like all the great I think Spider-Man Human Torch stories have kind of been in like B books or 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 limited series or even in Fantastic Four there's that great one where they're living together in uh in an apartment do you know that issue yeah yeah that's Hickman's run right yeah I mean like that that's a very different side to Hickman even uh but uh that's a wonderful issue as well that almost made my essential list um just because I think that that issue is amazing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I would maybe say you know in terms of ASM proper, the only thing rival it would be you know the Amazing Bagman. Um, uh, yes, yeah. Um, but still, you know, you're absolutely right, and you know, of course, Johnny is like completely drooling over Spidey's girlfriend and Black Cat, or I guess ex girlfriend at this point. You know, refers to her as being sexy about four different times, which is funny. Um, <laughs> just just like I said, it's all landing. Um, we get some deep cut. Uh, Information here with, with the, uh, the the device that he uses to, for the spider tracer, which we haven't seen probably since, like, what, issue two? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it might be that. Like, when he's tracking down uh, uh, the vulture or chameleon, I- I'm trying to remember which it was uh, that he used that on. Here I am showing my uh, lack of knowledge about these things. That's okay. I won't hold it against you. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, because you don't know it either. Yeah, we're gonna go over that. Um, but Dan, I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of thrilled to hear that you're so on board with this. I thought that I thought you were gonna be like, oh, it's not, it's just a funny book. It's not essential, but you know, like, that's my imitation of you, Dan. That's your imitation of me regarding your Thanos pick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, time will tell on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're so much more polite than I am. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, anything else to say on this, Dan? I don't know. I'd say go read it. You know, us telling you the jokes is not going to do you a favor. Read, read this book. It's so much fun. Speaking of jokes, I think I see somebody at the door, Dan. Uh, don't answer it. Are you court obligated to answer it? 
Yeah, fortunately. All right, hold on. He wants he wants to say something, Dan. Well, hello there, Dan Gavazin. It's your old pal, Flash Thompson. Why am I not surprised? Well, it's the time of the show, and I've heard you guys have been getting a lot of feedback, and there are people saying they want to hear more from Flash Thompson. I think I'm the star of the show. Why is it even Amazing Spider Talk? You should call it Amazing Flash Talk. I, I will admit that we've gotten a lot of fan mail about you, Flash Thompson. There's, I guess there's just something charming about you. Well, you know, it's, uh, you, you, not everyone can be like Puny Parker thinks I'm just big, big old stupid joke or something, you know, like just because just I could throw a football 90 yards. But anyway, I think in celebration of how great I am, I should do a flash review. All right. I will say I'm a man of the people and the people have spoken. They want Flash Thompson doing flash reviews. So, OK, Flash, let's do it. Uh what are we talking about today? Well, I think our, our two picks today are Secret Wars number four and Ultimate End number three. Uh, which one do you want me to do? I think you should tackle the big one, Secret Wars number four here, Flash. All right. Count me in, Dan. All right. I'm, this is against my better judgment, but all right. Three, two, one. All right, Secret Wars. I'm just, I open this comic as a white page. What the hell is going on in this comic book? I, I the Doom and, and Doctor Strange and, and, uh, there's a, there's a two Spider-Man and, uh, I, I gotta get a drink. I'm out of here. That was perhaps not as bad as I suspected. Mark, are you there? Uh I'm back. Um, you know, he, he Flash seems kind of frustrated. I, I, I think I think he was. I think he really didn't know what was going on in Secret Wars, and he was a little embarrassed. Well, he's channeling the people's rage because I <laughs> heard from a lot of people that they're confused about Secret Wars. Oh uh, well, I don't know, but um, I'm not. I, can I just say I, I don't well, really you, find this series confusing at all. I, I I agree with you, but maybe let me let me let me do the review proper now since Flash is now occupying himself with the bottle of Johnny Walker. All right, all right, I'll, I'll count you in. All right, three, all right. two, one. Well, holy crap! Jonathan Hickman keeps topping himself in the stakes department, introducing at least two shocking plot developments in this comic, while also hinting at many more to come. Doom is shaping up to be one of the greatest villains in a Marvel story ever. And, you know, I mean, it's Dr. Doom. He's awesome all the time. But, I mean, we really haven't gotten awesome Doom in years. And and Hickman's Doom is just phenomenal. He's omnipotent. Uh, you know, I don't know where the chink in the armor is going to be found, but I'm sure we're going to get some in the second half. Rivik's artwork continues to just to be amazing. This has this, like, nightmarish, dreamlike quality to it. Uh, I think I've said this three times already, Dan, but this is shaping up to be my favorite Marvel event ever, even more than the original Secret Wars. Uh, I cannot wait for issue five. I am saying fan club certified. Awesome, Mark. Uh, Count me in. All right. Hold on. I I, I don't have my clock app open. (laughs) Always always so prepared here, Mark. this This is captivating radio. Okay. Three, two, one. I would pay money to read a book that's just a tour through Battleworld. I find it just that interesting, especially with these two creators. But I guess all stories need to come to some kind of conflict, 
And uh, what's great about Secret Wars is that it continues to stay ahead of my desires, and it gives me what I didn't know that I wanted. So here Doom flexes his god powers, and boy are our heroes up against unstoppable foe. And when they're all scattered by the end of this book, I knew my excitement for this series was renewed, if it was even dull at all. Just when I thought I wanted more of the capital city, I'm going to get to explore Battleworld with all of my favorite heroes. If I sound like I'm fanboying out, it's because it is rare that we get a book that just works this well, and I feel like a kid again reading this. Fan club certified. All right, good stuff. Um, we want to do all- the other end of the pool. Oof. You bet. All right. Ultimate end. There we go. Ends. We're talking about ends. Ultimate end number three. You ready, Mark? Uh, yes. <laughs> Will you ever be? Three, two, one. Well, this book is a total cluster, you know what. The standing around and talking about stuff has reached new levels of boredom for me. And, and Dan, I don't mean to sound like Flash here, but I still just don't quite understand what the whole point of this book is. If I want to watch Nick Fury yell at characters in a room, I'm sure I can find some Samuel L. Jackson clips on YouTube about snakes and planes. I mean, seriously. It looks like Miles is going to play a role in the next issue based on the cover, but I'm not holding my breath there. I don't even know... You know, outside of Spider-Man repeatedly saying, don't call me Peter Parker, what their roles are in this book. Does Bendis not care? Is that what's going on here? Is this because is this his big middle finger to the fact that Marvel's finally canceling Ultimates? I don't know. But this book is such a shame. Terrible way to send off these characters. Puny Parker. All right. Count me in, Mark. You bet. Three, two, one. So let me get this straight. And Mark, you can back me up on this. Doc Green can hulk out. Despite already being a Hulk, and all it does is get rid of his goatee? I know I haven't been reading Hulk, but is that a thing? (laughs) Sorry, back to my review. This book continues to stink to high hell. Sure, we get more characters meeting their alternate universe counterparts, and maybe a clue that there's something else going on here that makes it unique to Battleworld. But I continue to think that Bendis must not have gotten the memo on how Secret Wars works. Because every aspect of this is undermined by every single part of those books. None of this makes any sense. This is especially true when the characters that we're supposed to be able to tell apart here by their different personalities don't even act like they would normally. Oh, I'm supposed to be reading about Ultimate uh, Nick Fury meeting regular Nick Fury? But then neither of them act like Nick Fury? I'm sorry. No. Puny Parker. Wow, you came in at 59.8 seconds, Dan. That, that 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 last little dig almost took you over. It it can barely contain my anger. Uh, but like, can, honestly, can I, honestly, can, can, like, can, you can I be dense about Hulk? I I don't know about that. All I also know is like which Tony Stark is which here because it's like there's no distinction and neither one of them feels like Tony Stark. And if if this is what Bendis is going to be writing on Iron Man, this is this is scary. Yeah, I mean the only way you're supposed to be able to tell the difference is by the font choices. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Dan. I, I that that's stupid. <laughs> was there, was there, yeah, it's dumb. And was there like a big memo sent out to everybody that reads comics that the font choices define the universes? Because like, yes, I know that because I've been reading them. But I can't imagine the average person reading this book is like, oh yeah, the font lowercase letters means ultimate universe. Uh, do, do people know this? I really think this is self sabotage by Bendis. I really do. I have to think you're right. I think this is like him just being sick and tired of being jerked around and being like, fine, I'm just going to end this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which Speaking is just, of ending Which is things, unfortunate. Yeah, okay, go. I think it's time to end the show, Mark. 
Yeah. Our this might be our sh- is this our short, shortest show ever, Dan? <laughs> it is. There's no, we aren't getting any emails and we aren't getting any comments. And there's not really any spider news. So here uh, we go. Yeah. Of course, you can find all of our longer new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, don't forget to email them to us. We love getting your emails. We haven't gotten any recently. It could be about anything, like what our favorite who knows what is. Except for Spider-Man costume, because we've answered that like five times. Um, make sure you email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. Mark, where else can they find out more about us? Yeah, be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk and Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing. Because these are great places to keep up with us in between shows as we talk about things like our favorite Spider-Man costumes and Dan Slott's legacy on the book. Uh, also, breaking news about the Spider- <laughs> <laughs> breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. I, I'm not trying to be too snide. If you guys have sent us those questions, we're not trying to insult you. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's just those are the two questions we get like on like a monthly basis. Yes. Yes. Um, as, as always, though, if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, who we cover every now and again in a small segment, you can get a whole podcast about them by subscribing to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, hosted by Brian, Kyle, and Noor. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club that helps support our show. And speaking of supporting our show, our theme song is courtesy of Rylan Bojack, and our outro song comes from Magic. I know. Uh, I like to sing along with them. I, I know people are getting Ryland's so- intro song uh, stuck in their heads. It's a catchy tune, man. It I is. Mean, I mean, whew. Uh, also, thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friend, and Sal Sema for our show's wonderful artwork. Mark. You just love I was going to say, you just love saying those names, don't you? I, I do. I do. I mean, like, Ron Friend and Sal Sema gave us artwork. Uh, for our show, that's awesome. I mean, not to not to diminish Nick Cagnetti and Ray Sumner's <laughs> awesome work, but you know, like Ron Friends and Sal Buscema are legends in in comic books. So that's you know, every time I look at our logo, I'm like, I can't believe we have this. Yes, and also we, we should give special thanks to Flash Thompson for gracing us with his drunken presence today. Uh, are you really thankful for that, Mark? Well, you know, I my liquor cabinet isn't, but you know, our audience seems to like him, so. Yeah, well, anyway, Mark, where can we find you other than dealing with Flash Thompson on the internet? Yeah, I, I think we need to create a Flash Thompson account on Twitter. Just, just a side thought. But anyway, you can find me, <laughs> you can find me on superiorspidertalk.com and also on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Be sure to be checking out my, the final few choices of my Peter MJ Essential Stories list as well as my Clone Saga callback. It's on the site, Dan. Check it out. Awesome, Mark. And what about you? Where can we find you? Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk for all of our Spider-Man stuff. And you can follow my personal account at Dan Gavazdin on Twitter as well. And you can read my movie reviews at my movie review website, GrindMyReels.com. Now, Mark, I uh, was reading in the newspaper the other day, and I saw your name listed in the newspaper. It seems that you had some kind of somnambulism problem. And we're wandering through the neighborhood in your Spider-Man pajamas. What happened there? 
Well, well, yeah, Dan. So, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show how I, I grew up in the suburbs and, um, you know, I was walking around uh, out in my old home front in my under, in my uh, pajamas, I guess in my underwear, but they were under my pajamas as underwear should be. And, it's you know, sleep, I sleepwalking. Is this a problem of yours? Well, <laughs> you know, OK, I, 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 I still get haunted. Um, by the one big mistake I made in my life, which was, you know, I, I was, I was getting the chocolate milk and this like robber, like tried to rob, you know, rob the store. And I just like, let him go. And then I got home and that chocolate milk was spoiled. Oh God. And, um, you have flashbacks in your sleep to this. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That causes to, you I, to wander the neighborhood in your Spider-Man pajamas? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes some persuasion from my Uncle Ben, who's, who's still very much alive and, and, and loving right now. Oh, good, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's living out in the suburbs, too. He's I great. have a really he's, hard time keeping track of this. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he's, you know, he, like, he sleeps with his wife. He, he, he gets to sleep in a bed all day. You know, he's got a, he's got a Doberman Pinscher. I mean, it's great. Um, and you know, when I, when I, when I have these, these little, you know, episodes, if you want to call it such, uh, I start talking about the chocolate milk and, oh God, why, why didn't I stop that criminal and my chocolate milk? I probably could have gotten a better chocolate milk. And uncle Ben's like, Mark, why are you, why are you talking about freaking chocolate milk? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I feel like I was responsible for something. And he's like, no. With great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next-